Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Sibylla was not joking when she said this light is very bright. <laughs> um, so let me start out by reading the text uh, that I hope to have as main content of of the sermon today. Um, so the text starts Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So when I speak to people about um, spiritual warfare and about um, our life as a Christian, I often uh, get the idea that people think we're fighting the devil. Um, I just want to highlight in the text we just read that we're not fighting the devil, we're fighting his schemes. The devil is already lost. Christ was victorious. He is the one that wins that battle. And the devil sometimes fools us in two ways. In one way to try and get us to fight him directly with our power because we are so mighty and powerful. And that is us being prideful. And pride is taking glory away from God. And God will not allow that. Um, the other thing he does is that we ignore him. We think he's not there at all. And we don't, we don't know that there is a scheme. You see, we are not fighting the devil. We're fighting his schemes. So today, I'm trying to talk to you about what is a war prayer. Um, and I think when we talk about uh, war, we think about the armor of God. So it is God that clothes us with the armor of God. It is not us doing something uh, amazing. It is, it is his armor. And prayer plays a very significant role in his armor. If you look at how Paul put the text out, 
Um, I know this is not uh, the, the, the alpha and omega, the only way of looking at it, but I looked at the, the amount of words he used to explain each part of the armor. So, first of all, first of all the belt of truth, JP, belt of truth, um, has five words, right? Uh, then the breastplate of righteousness has got four words. Then uh, the ability to take out the gospel, the, the shoes, is seven words. Then uh, faith has got 16 words. Uh, then the helmet of salvation has got four words. And the, the sword, which is the word, uh, has got seven words. And then for prayer, he uses 55 words. You see, we often don't realize how important prayer is in our spiritual walk. Because prayer is something very significant in this whole process of being ready to fight in this world. So let's have a look at what Paul said. He said, first of all, praying at all times, right? So praying is part of just getting that armor ready. And at all times, I, I, I often get the feeling a lot of Christians, and, and I've stepped into that same trap, if I'm honest, think prayer happens in the morning. When you wake up, we do our prayers. Or maybe in the evening, just before we go to bed. Uh, and then we are impressed with religious people that pray three times a day. You should be praying all the time. It is a relationship. It's not a religious thing you do here or there to tick off boxes. It is a relationship with a living God, and we have the ability to speak to a living God. And that we often forget. Paul carries on, and I think it's significant to see this, that Paul, of all people, uh, emphasizes how he needs prayer. Let's see what he says. So he says to them, uh, at praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert in, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So not only for yourself, but for everyone, right? And also for me, he says. Also for me. You see, Paul knew that he needs prayer to have his armor on, to be able to do what he needs to do. Because he says, also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul realized the gospel is only, you're only able to share the gospel by the grace of God. We so often try to do this on our own strength and we fail. We're supposed to do it via God, by His strength. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You see, prayer makes putting on the armor possible. So what does that look like? I see it as follows. We, we get this gift from Christ, which is like a walkie-talkie to be used in war. A walkie-talkie that connects you direct to the one that has got all the power. So wherever you are in this war, he's got all the power and you have direct access to him. 
That is what prayer is supposed to be. So the challenge is, as we start fighting this war against uh, the schemes, we start to get tricked by the schemes. And we don't know it is a scheme that we are amazing. I am this amazing person. Yeah? And what then happens is we start to think, um, yeah, God serves. And we throw the word away that says that we're supposed to serve. And we start praying for things like a holiday, a nice car, some money, health, um, and, and, and good things we would like to have. And we think that is the purpose of prayer. And then we start to realize this walkie-talkie or service ordering device is not working. And then we throw that walkie-talkie away, and with it we throw away the whole armor. And as the armor goes, we are caught. We start questioning whether God exists. We start questioning whether we are good enough. You're not good enough. You're not. It's grace. It's not your deeds that get you into a privileged position. It's not your faith. It is grace that puts you in the right position. So what is a, a, a war prayer? Let's go through the armor uh, one by one. First of all, the belt of truth. Um, <laughs> and, and, and we see some text on truth in, in John that I think is very important to consider in this uh, section. And the word in John 1 verse 14, it starts, And the word became flesh. This is Christ and dwelt amongst us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth it's interesting that that's a combination that's put out there um i recently read a book by a gentleman that focused on how important it is to have that combination um, because he says that Christians normally err on one of the two sides, right? Either we have so much grace that everything goes, or we have so much truth that people feel condemned. And, and Christ has that combination, grace and truth, right? And that is important to have. He carries on writing, This, has, uh, this was he whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me. This is John the Baptist speaking. Because he was before me, as from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. Grace and truth are in him. He's full of it. And it comes through him. We can get grace and truth to empower us through our lives. But is truth, does it stand on its own as well? We read in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to, to of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In 1 John, that, that is expounded a little bit more, 1 John 5, verse 20, as he says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in the Son of, uh, 
in his son, Jesus Christ. So we, we know God through Christ and we are in Christ and Christ in us um, through this truth that we uh, experience. He is the true God and eternal life. You see, truth that we are seeking for is Christ. The truth that we want is Christ. In Christ, we have that truth that guides us through our everyday. But let's look at the next part of the armor, the breastplate. And when I, when I thought about the breastplate, I immediately um, thought it, it covers your heart, right? So it needs to uh, do something for your heart. But in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, we read his, him saying, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's a verse to contemplate on when you're told again to follow your heart. Right? Then God answers this question, which is a real question. It's a very important question. Right? I, the Lord, Search the heart and test the mind. So searching the heart and testing what's going on here. Um, so search the heart and test the mind. To give every man according to his ways. According to the fruit of his deeds. So very often we forget these things. Because we're saved by grace. We forget that God does still look at your deeds. Your deeds aren't meaningless. He does still test your thinking. He does still look at your behavior. You see, if your thinking and your heart are aligned with God, your behavior must be aligned. And therefore, what happens is important. It's not something that is just a sideline. But thanks to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to, st uh, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed is in Romans 6 verse 17. We don't need to fear because aim is not fear. The aim is peace. You see, um, in Matthew 6 verse 21, uh, Christ says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And if your heart is somewhere in a place where it is all about, uh, or your treasure is in a place where it's all about you being this great person, then your heart will be there too. And your heart will be deceived. But who is your treasure? Is Christ our treasure? Is he truly our treasure? And is our heart linked to him? In Proverbs 3 verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your, stra your path straight. Your straight, huh? Make straight your paths. You see, sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um, but what is important there is that we don't trust in our own ability to figure things out, to understand things, right? But that we trust in God and in the knowledge that God will give us. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So you see, sometimes we think we are so clever that we play with evil because I am not so weak as to fall. You're playing with fire and if you play with fire, you will be burned. 
So stay away from that. And the reason we stay away from that is because we, we fear God. When you lose the fear of God, you are doomed to fail. You are doomed to fall. It will be a healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now I've heard people preach that if you do this, you're going to be healthy the whole time. I uh, don't think that is the point here. Now what I think, and I'm not a theologian, so you can have a different opinion than me, but I think your flesh represents whatever you see in this context. And your bones are that you stay upright and structured, that you don't fall apart. I think that is what this is referring to. Let's stick with the heart. You see, in John uh, 14, verse 27, we read, Peace I leave with you. Christ saying, Peace is what he gives us. My peace. It's not any peace, it's his peace that he gives us. We're supposed to have peace in our hearts, not as the world gives to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, Fearing God takes away the fear of man and takes away that other fear that steals our peace. In Romans 10 verse 9 we read, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now a lot of people stop here. This is a very, very favorite um, uh, verse in many people's uh, vocabulary, right? But there's a four that comes after that. And I think we need to think about the four. And it's not the four, the hammer guy, it's, it's four. Um, with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. You see, what is in your heart comes out of you, right? And I think Paul explained it again because it's about the heart, not about what you say. If you've said one time in your life, I believe in Christ, that is far away from you really believing in Christ. It must be something in your heart that comes out of your mouth, then you believe in Christ. It must be something in your heart that drives your behavior, then you believe in Christ. You don't believe in Christ just if you said, I believe in Christ. The demons also believe that Christ is there and it doesn't help them anything, right? Your heart is important because out of our hearts, our behaviors flow, but only God can help us fix our hearts and keep our hearts in the right place. Christ emphasizes this as well in Luke 6 verse 45. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so it's about what's in the heart not in the mouth the heart determines the mouth and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and all your strength in that text uh we hear that we should have everything inside of us, everything about us loving God. I don't think we are able to do that. May God help us to love him as we should. Great. So 
Then we've got the shoes. And we looked at that already. Even Paul saying, please pray for me that I have got the right words. The challenge I have for ourselves is, do we, do we pray for others that are sharing the gospel? Do we pray enough for these people? Do we pray for ourselves to share the gospel? I've experienced so many times when I try to share the gospel in my own strength, I either become legalistic and I condemn people, or I'm too fearful to step into that, that place where I need to share the gospel. It is prayer and not a method. You can learn as many methods as you want, and maybe it will help you when you are nervous. But it's prayer. It's God making it possible. You can't do it in your own strength. And then we should never forget, it is the gospel of peace that we're sharing with people. We have the privilege to share with people that there's peace to be had with the Creator God. There's peace available to you. We have that privilege. But we need God's help because we don't manage it in our own. Then there's faith. Now, when it comes to faith, I want to highlight um, how important faith is by using uh, a text in Luke 17. We read, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, if you, yeah, it's embarrassing to admit, there was a time I read that text and I thought, I'm sure at least I've got a mustard seed. So I stood in front of a mountain, not in front of, I took, took the big one, right? And I said, hey, move. Nothing happened. So something I misunderstood here, right? Let me share with you what I think I misunderstood. You see, you can search in the word. I didn't find any place where Christ said you must have huge faith. It all depends on your big faith. You find a text like that, please share it with me. I haven't found it. I really searched. The only place where Christ talks about a, a big faith is when he commends people like the centurion. But now note, the centurion didn't even want to go to Christ himself because he felt unworthy. When Christ wanted to come to his place, he said, but don't come to my place because he's not worthy. You see, uh, Christ always, when he speaks about faith, he says, you only need a little bit of faith, a mustard seed. It's not about your big, huge faith. The scheme of the devil is to make it about your big, huge faith. Because as soon as it is about your big, huge faith, who is glorified? You with your big, huge faith. We fall into that trap every now and then. Your faith is not the big thing. The God you have faith in is the big thing. Right? And Christ tries to explain this to them here. Let's see why they asked for big faith. First of all, he said, um, temptations will come, right? Uh, but uh, beware of those people who they come through. If you make one of these little ones, and those are not children, those are people young in the faith. If you make them fall away from the faith, it's better that you've got stones uh, um, around your neck and thrown into the sea, right? That it would be much better for you. 
And then he says, and if somebody does something to you and they repent, forgive them. And if they repent seven times, forgive them. So you see, Christ realized, or Christ tried to communicate that the main thing that makes young Christians often fall away from the faith is mature Christians that cannot forgive. We need to take forgiveness far more serious because Christ took it serious. So after that text, they said, Woo, we need more faith to do this thing, right? And he said, you only need a small bit of faith. And then he carries on, and I think he, he just hits that nail in a little bit deeper with the, the rest of the text. He says, will any one of you have a servant plowing or, or keeping sheep, plowing or keeping sheep, say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at the table. He was sarcastic sometimes. Um, I love that because I love to be sarcastic as well. Um, will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does, uh, does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have done, we have only done what was our duty. It is important to realize, um, I, I think I just put the text up there because I think John Piper said it better than I could ever try to, right? First of all, there are two things that grow our faith. The first one is that we know it's not about our faith, it's about our big God that moves things and does things. And secondly, um, the free grace is given um, by God and we cannot do anything to go past that grace to deserve something better God treats us in grace before we come to him after we've come to him when we've done huge things we don't outdo God's grace it is always bigger than whatever we could do we don't deserve anything. I've recently spoken to a brother that said to me, Ziggy, I don't deserve to have so much pain. And I said to him, my dear brother, you deserve far more. And that is not because I hated him, but because we often have such a wrong thinking. We go past grace. Grace is always larger than whatever we could ever do on this world. So the next one is the helmet of salvation. Now with this, I would like to highlight two things. The helmet protects your thinking, right? So um, the first thing that happens as we see in Romans 12, uh, that um, we change our minds not to be conformed to this world. And what happens then? We can discern what is the will of God, uh, what is the good and acceptable and perfect so often we struggle with the will of God, right? Um, but remember, the helmet is called the helmet of salvation. And therefore, remember, it is all about salvation. And from the place of salvation, you can easily ask yourself, what is the will of God? The will of God is that you are saved and that other people are saved. The rest of the things 
he will guide you through your through your emotions but he's not given going to give you an answer to whether you should eat this or should eat that right um he's going to guide you but the aim is salvation it's about salvation i think uh paul speaks in philippians very nicely about what we should be doing with our thoughts we shouldn't be trying to figure out god we should be busy um with the following fix our minds on whatever's true whatever's honorable whatever's just whatever's pure whatever's lovely whatever is commendable um and if there's anything uh, excellent is there anything worthy of praise we should we should fix our minds on that do we ask god to help us to fix our minds on that do we even think about what these words mean um i recently adela said to me one should do a, a word kind of search on these and really dig into that and figure out what it is because obviously it is something important right um paul also does a very interesting thing here which i i think i often missed first of all he speaks about the peace of god then he talks about fixing your mind on all these things and then he ends up with the god of peace So first of all the peace of God comes to you when your mind is busy with the right things and the God of peace is with you when your mind is fixed on the right things. I don't think we spend enough time thinking about what we spend our thoughts on. So many times we just allow our thoughts to go and we're not human human beings we're just human doings we just do things without thinking about it. And that's an exactly where the enemy wants you. because if you're just doing things you are so easy to manipulate then we come to the last part of the armor john 1 verse 1 um i thought was explaining that very well in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning and uh, with god and all things were made through him and without him was nothing made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it you see when we read the word we need to remember we're not just reading words when we read the word we should remember we're reading Christ It is about having a encounter with Christ. When you open the Bible, you should be praying for an encounter with Christ. So if you're sitting here today and thinking God has never spoken to me, have you read the word? It speaks the whole time. It is Christ that speaks to you and to me. So So what is the the war prayer is it really just about the armor of god if you look through the bible there are people that pray for nations there are people uh, that pray for their cities there are people that pray for their children there are these commands that we should pray for our enemies there there's also an instruction that we should never stop praying and continue praying and never give up on prayer um we should also be humble in prayer there's so much in the word about prayer that you could have a whole year of pray, of uh, sermons on prayer itself it seems there's no specific theme to the war prayer 
So, what is a war prayer? I thought, let me quickly look at what the Lord said uh, in the Lord's Prayer. If you look at what he said, he said, Our Father in heaven. So it's a relationship, right? It is engagement with somebody we know he is and where he is. He is almighty. Hallowed be your name. The name is always a descriptor of the character. It's not just a name. If you pray in Jesus' name, you don't just say the word. You're praying in his character. And then that prayer will be answered because it's in his character and in his, in his will. Your kingdom come, not mine. We're so often so busy with building our own kingdoms. It's about God's kingdom, not ours. And we need to remind ourselves, your kingdom come. Your will be done, not my will, but your will, Lord. And that's not so easy to say honestly in our prayer life. On earth as it is in heaven. So aligned with what his perfect place and his perfect living is. Give us this day our daily bread. We may pray for what we need. Don't misunderstand. You may pray for what you need in your life. That is not a wrong thing. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. It is, it is crucially important to remember that Christ told us to forgive, but he also, um, to, in that text, told us how important it is to forgive, uh, to be forgiven, right? But we pray for both. We pray for God to help us to forgive our debtors and also to forgive, forgive our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, there are many theories about what this evil might be. But if you look at this text, it's packed between forgiveness. So I think the evil he intended to share here is that evil that is caused by unforgiveness. We need to be passionate about forgiving. Because that is, when you don't forgive, it's just plain straightforward evil that you are tempted by. So, uh, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let us meditate on that sentence. It is crucially important that we forgive. It is very important that we forgive. When we pray, we should never pray in our passions. We may pray for our needs, but don't pray in your passions. Pray in line with God. So there are many themes in the war prayer. Right? Um, but the important thing is that we align ourselves to God's kingdom, not our own. To God's will, and not our own. And his love for others while remembering his grace and truth. May we have love that allows us to forgive again and again and again. When people repent, not before they repent, because that is also evil in my eyes. Let's pray. I'm going to do it differently today with a prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and pray the Lord's Prayer with me. Can we do that? Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from the evil. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast. <laughs>